Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Look up, child. I wonder how many here tonight needed to hear that. Do you think there's a few here tonight that needed to hear that message? Because that's what it's on my heart, and I just believe that is actually really run, running around in this room tonight. Look up, look up. Look to the God who is faithful, who will see you through whatever storm you're going through tonight. And, you know, um, that's, that's I, I guess, just, I looked up the song this morning, actually, and I just want to say some of the words. When darkness never seems to end, when the world is crumbling, I, all I feel is doubt. F- figure it out. Look up, child. You're not shaken by the storm. I hear you say, look up, child. Great words, eh? Great words. And uh, so that's our theme tonight. And in all the turmoil of recent months, we need to look up. And looking requires an action, isn't it? Look is a verb. To look is a verb. Up is a direction where we look is generally where we're going or we're about to go. And child generally means that we, we are loved and we belong. You know, I just thought there's some real levels of, you know, layers in that, that title. Look up, child. So two weeks ago, um, Jenny and I took our, our oldest granddaughter away, um, our second grandchild, um, to the city. We took uh, Ashton several years ago down to Rotorua, and that's something we've started is when they turn 10, we take our grandkids away. And uh, even though uh, Charlize is now 11 and a half, we've just been trying to work in a time for the last year and a half to take our, our little moku away. And anyway, we ended up staying up in the, in the top of the town there somewhere just off Queen Street. It was um, really cool. A um, little bit of a sneak view of the sea between all the big high-rise buildings. But um, one thing we wanted to do, and she'd never done, was to take her up the Sky Tower. So first thing in the morning, we... After our first night, we got down there. We actually were ahead of time. We didn't realise we, um, we, we were early, and uh, we had to wait a little while. So we stood outside, and we looked up at this massive tower, towering above us, this concrete everywhere, and cranes and workmen and things all happening around the town, but, and lots of workmen, actually, lots of roadworks. <coughs> They're ripping up the whole bottom end of Queen Street. But anyway, um, we, were, we were standing there looking up at this great big tower, and it, it was incredible to think it was built to withstand earthquakes, high winds, and storms. And that minutes later, we would be 31 stories up there. And, um, and so, you know, we, we just at the first viewing level. And so we were thinking about just how amazing it was. And it almost looks bent, you know, when you look at the bottom. It looks like it's coming over towards you. That's just because of the shape. <clears throat> but anyway, there was actually three reasons why we could trust that tower. We felt we could trust that tower. Maybe we were wrong, but there were three reasons why we thought we could. And one was that it was built by qualified e- engineers and workers, we hope. Number two, its foundations go down five or six stories into the ground. Now, we do know that because in 93, we went to the city a lot, 
um, when we were at Bible College, we went down there most Friday nights, and we saw and watched this progress of this big dig out for the foundations. It was just absolutely massive, it was like a cliff face down into the bottom, and it was it was into the rock. So that was the second reason why we felt we could trust going up there, and the third reason was we felt that it had stood for 27 odd years. Um, and it stood gales and gale force winds and um, some some several storms. So, so so far it was worth um, you know counting on that it would be okay. So what's that got to do with tonight's message? Look up, child. <clears throat> Except for the fact that we looked up at it. Well, I've been thinking a lot about the mess that the world is in, and how so much of what people's trust in has totally changed this year. What people trust in has really changed this year. A lot of people were trusting in their income, trusting in their, in their career or their work. A lot of people were trusting in the fact they could go anywhere at any time. Uh, they had the freedom to go and come. And COVID-19, you know, we've seen, has had no favorites. It's actually uh, taken out the rich and the poor. It's actually even affected kings and prime ministers and nobodies. It's taken out the strong and the weak. COVID-19 has had no favorites. So how can we survive in this time of history? You know, and a great place to start, as we heard from Nathan Shadbolt this morning, is to turn to Scripture. And so we're going to turn to Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at Ephesians 3, and we're going to read verses 14 to 21. Because I think a lot of people uh, need to hear this. I believe a lot of people are really searching for God at this time. And even one or two people tonight may be here because they're just realizing they need, they need support. They need God in their life. Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every father in, or family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power. Who doesn't want that? To be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ we've just sung about tonight, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And it kind of finishes with this little... Now to him, like a benediction, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So for me, the first key to coping with the storms, with coping with COVID-19. Not that we felt we coped with it really well at times, but we, we, we felt we had to be there for others and, 
And Jenny and I didn't really stop through all that time, just try to think and pray for others and ring them. But but we we were sort of coping with this little bubble of ours, but not really kind of knowing just how hard it was for so many and thinking how how it would be just terrible for some who lived in a a really really toxic relationship just being locked down um and we were thinking of others at that time but the first key i believe to coping with this storm um was to bow the knee paul says i bow the knee in verse um 14 i bow the knee before the father Worship. You know, when we bend our knee, we're actually really bending our will to allow the Lord to have first place in us. You know, those of those here that are teachers will know that sometimes children will obey, but inside they're still disobeying. You know, they'll do it by compliance, but they might be bowing the knee, but they're actually sort of standing up on the inside. And we can be like that too, eh? We can be sort of standing up on the inside, as it were, even though we're sort of looking, making a good show of it. You know, we're bowing our will to the Lord, but really, our, we have to completely surrender our trust in ourself. You know, it's so easy to trust in our judgment, our, our abilities, our talent, our money, our job. But in effect... We are saying to God when we worship, God, you're the boss of me. And is this something we just do once? No. It's a daily act of worship to bow the knee, laying down our old nature. See, we can't cast out the old nature that we were born with and say, oh, now it's just Jesus and me, you know, just Jesus and me. You know, we have to die to that old nature daily. It's a daily thing to die to that thing and say, God, you be the boss. I am bowing the knee. The thing is, is as we starve our old nature of what it wants, it actually gets weaker and weaker. And our new nature gets stronger and stronger. Every night, us kids would love sneaking past Dad's bedroom door slightly ajar and just watch him praying on the bed or at the bed. And he would actually physically get down and bow before God. It was a powerful, powerful act of worship. You know, this man who, who had... Hundreds of people relying on him for all different things, chairman of councils and all this sort of thing, bowing the knee before God at night. It was just a neat thing for us as kids to watch. And we felt safe when we saw Dad pray. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we find it very hard to do this most simple thing, don't we? And nowadays it's actually come to represent something else. Lately, bowing the knee is representing something else. But in Paul's time, it was an act of giving honor to the one. It was an honor culture. And we experienced a bit of this in the Cook Islands, uh, or no, in Tonga, sorry. 
just a couple of years ago, um, there was just flags lining the road from the airport to where we were staying. Little red flags everywhere. And people had gone to a lot of trouble to put up all these flags down the road in Tonga. And we, we finally found out that the king was coming. The king was about to visit this island. And it was this little island miles off the, you know, we'd flown in a plane to get there. And in the plane, um, it was about a 45-minute flight. So it was quite a long way, but the king was coming to this little island. And they were honouring him by just getting ready. I thought, well, that's a great picture of honour, isn't it? Paul, in his writing of this, knew something of what it was to have honour. I remember one Easter camp, uh, things got off to quite a bad start. Uh, somehow, you know, just the worship felt really flat the first night. The, the sound gear was playing up and, and there was just sort of no God vibe in the place. This is years and years ago. Um, but um, on the Friday, we recognised that no one had actually prayed, you know, publicly up the front on the first night and put God in his first place, put God in the highest place in the camp. And, he, and he hadn't, the scene was not set by putting God in his rightful place. And that was, that was put right, and the camp took off from there. You know, I love Ephesians 3.10. If we look back, we didn't read it, but if we read that one, it says, In order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You see, we hadn't prayed and told the authorities, both good and bad, that God was the boss of this place. You know that we teach angels how to worship. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says in that verse, we actually teach the heavenly hosts what it's like to worship in this mixed up, crazy, broken world. Because they live in the presence of God. Angels live in the presence of God. And we've got flesh and blood. And so we teach the angels and the heavenly hosts what it's like worshipping here in the middle of trouble. I think that's amazing. Our worship encourages angels and teaches heaven what it's like to live here. Second key is that we need deeper roots. The Lord just really laid this on my heart just a couple of days ago. And I'm going to read verse 16 and 17 from the Living Bible. I misplaced my Bible for a few days, so I grabbed this old one out. I haven't read it for ages, but it just made this come alive somehow. Probably not actual, uh, you know, accurate scripture um, translation, but here we go. What did I say? Verse 16 and 17. That out of his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you the mighty inner strengthening of his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. It just threw a whole new light onto those verses for me. Somehow this really spoke to my heart. 
May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvellous love. So we had a couple of songs about God's love tonight. The only way to get deeper roots is to have the Spirit of God become more and more at home in you as you grow in trust. Did you hear that? The only way to get deeper roots is to have the Spirit of God become more and more at home in you as you grow in trust. You see, this result, um, this is, oh, I've put two words together. <laughs> this is how children develop a solid foundation. This is how kids get to have a, a, a better solid foundation by growing up in an environment of love and trust. And as a result, we're strengthened on the inside, or the inner man, Paul calls it. Who or what's in your inner core? Who's in your inner core? What's in your inner core? Have you been allowing the Holy Spirit to take up full residence in your life and to put down roots in your life by revelation of the Father's love? There was a sign over at Trinity Church for a while, and it said, um, people grow, grow stronger in the sun, S-O-N, light. People grow stronger in the sunlight, meaning the sun, the son of God, you know. It was cool. And um, we just thought that looks cool, and well, it's cool. But um, our son Jason said, said, I don't know about that, Dad, he said. I think we grow when we have trouble too. You know, I think we almost grow more when, we're in tr when we have troubles. And it was both and. I believe it was, he was right, and so, was, so is it that we, we grow stronger roots and stronger foundations and a better base when we're, we're loved, when we've got a loving environment around us. But it's tested by trials. And we grow through trials as well. It's not all one or the other. You need both, you know. Anyway, back to where we were. So I just really got this revelation about these deeper roots this week. I just thought this is, this is key to Huntley. This is what Huntley needs, deeper roots. Amen? And uh, we need to be like those, those seeds that um, fall on, on good ground, but some just don't have enough roots. And so, you know, a love environment allows a chance for roots to go down deep, but hard times test the strength of those roots. So as we looked up to the sky tower, uh, you would swear it was leaning over, but we were only seeing one view of it, and no one ever sees the massive solid block of concrete meters down below the surface at the base. God's love and the Holy Spirit within deepen the roots. They're like that solid block of concrete down below the ground. And then he allows life and world events such as we've just had to test those roots. Number three, the third key to being able to look up in the midst of trouble is faith. Let's read verse 20 again. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. 
You know, as much as we ask or think, you see that it's another verb, isn't it? To ask. What are we asking for? Have you been expecting God to do stuff, to turn up, to be giving you more? He's the God of more. He is saying here he'll do abundantly beyond what we ask or think. Don't limit God to that sort of box that you think he should be in. He's able to do more. He's able to be bigger in your life than you could ever think possible. You need a miracle tonight? Think more, more power, more, more joy is available. Because it's his work that works in us. He does the work, but we have to make that step of faith. So take heart. He will get us through this. He will get you through whatever you're battling with tonight. You simply need to dig deep and apply the keys of worship in the storm. To worship him in the storm means so much to him. Amen. That's when we like are applying Ephesians 3.10. In the storm. Allowing love to deepen those roots and ask and think in faith for more. Those are the three keys. Worship. Roots and faith, okay? And I've known more storms since coming into this role here at Huntley Baptist than in pretty much all the past roles we've ever had. But through them all, I've had to dig deep and trust, worship and cling to God who loves me with a passion. And I've, you know, I've had to really work on that one because didn't always get told I was loved. As a kid, I was never told. I was loved. My mum found it really, really difficult to ever have any term of endearment. She never called any of us love or dear or love, hun, darling. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it or anything, but <laughs> no, just saying. <laughs> I had to work on that. And then I was the number two son, and my brother seemed to be really close with dad, and they did everything together, and I just thought, I'm the extra part. But I know that dad really loved me, but he found it really hard to say it. That generation did. And I've had to really struggle with this father heart of God thing, to know that he really loves me more than all the sort of stupid things I've done. And I remember even, I haven't really ever shared this before, I remember when I was 18 years old driving a little old Austin A55 ute that Dad bought me to keep me humble. Um, instead of a Mazda B1600, and I'm, I'm over it. But uh, <laughs> I was driving out to this beach mission that I didn't want to go to. I'd come from this awesome thing in Tauranga that I wanted to stay at, but I'd said I was going to this other thing, so I thought, I've got to go, because I gave my word. And I was driving out around all those windy roads, and I was thinking, what? What if I just went off the edge? You know, would anyone really matter or mind? A stupid thing to think. But, you know, I've struggled with that too, you know, feelings of self-worth. And so I think we all do at times. But, you know, praise God, he has got so much more for each one of you tonight. Just take those thoughts um, to jail. You know, arrest those thoughts if they ever come up, if they ever crop up, yeah, bind them 
in Jesus' name. When I was in um, hospital after my bike accident, um, probably one of the most painful things I've ever, ever known, I think probably I sort of felt, how did Jesus suffer the cross? This Can it be any worse than this? Because my whole body was bruised orange and yellow from my shoulders down to my knees and every time they moved me I just about went through the roof and um, I just sort of felt God where are you and then my son Jason turned up our son Jason turned up <laughs> with his iPod and he would put a whole lot of songs on it and um, it was really cool that I was able to put my earplugs in and listen and one song stood out and it got me through and the guys are going to play it in a minute, um, and we're going to wind this up. But just a funny thing happened. There was a bit of a short in one of the wires. Didn't realize that everyone in the room could hear it as well. <laughs> um, the next day, the guy said to me, so have you always been in the church? Or <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> it was blaring out in the whole ward. But anyway... Um, I thought I was having this private moment with God and um, this song really, really spoke to me and it got me through that, that time. So I just want to leave you with that thought tonight that God will get you through. Look up, child, when it gets really tough. Look up, child. He is your dad. He loves you to bits. Take all those other thoughts captive and just do these things that we've said tonight, worship, you know, grow deep roots and walk in faith. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.